Good morning. Good afternoon. Not often. Yeah. Not often I feel like I'm in. Good afternoon. See? It's responding to me. Now I'm not sure what's happening. My personality seems to be splitting up into various parts. One of us will slow down and give a Dharma talk. That won't be me. Got it. <laughs> okay. Oh, we figured that out. They did. I didn't figure anything out. Haven't figured for quite a while. So this is uh, January 10th, 2021. And as I've done the last few talks, made it just about questions from Sangha. So that seems to be a good form to start out with, at least for a while. I have lots of other topics showing up, but let's do this for a little while. And so you can, we can get right to what it is that is uh, your question or what your considerations are. So if you have a question on the screen or on Zoom, uh, I can't see everyone. I don't know. There's 20, there's over 25 people on there, on there. So that means there's another screen where I can't see you. So if you go like, so I can't see that. So I can't particularly call on you. So if you could just speak up perhaps. She is unbowing. Yes. Um, I was wondering what underlies the stories when you get hooked by a story, what is that covering up, bowing? So simply put, uh, the story is, uh, is just part of dependent origination. Uh, there's, no, there's no one telling a story. There is no story. There's no content. There's, uh, there's no form that is separate. So, but that's not seen. We tend to separate, we tend to, um, we tend to discriminate between this and that and this and that. So it's the relative mind that, that starts out with the basic misunderstanding, the basic imputation that there is someone. Just because there's a body-mind complex doesn't mean anything. There are body-mind complexes everywhere. You just appear. That's with the two capital P's. You appear to be looking out of a particular organism called me. And it's not that that's not there. That's part of dependent origination. So it's it's the we from the so-called get-go, we immediately assume there's someone hearing, someone smelling, tasting, touching, thinking, someone listening to the story and and, and becoming uh, going from the story, which is uh, semi-objective, into uh, semi-subjective, which is me and the story I'm listening to that's covering this or that up. So the the causes and the feelings that are arising are also dependently arisen, but they feel so personal because, well, there's a, there's a body here to help uh, endorse that personhood. It's a lie. This is why the sitting practice of meditation, <clears throat> why the, uh, the structure, the form of, uh, that we use to support our awareness practice of Buddha, our teacher, teaching and what's and, and, uh, and community, Buddha, Dharma and Sangha. That's why we use that and con continually by the teachings from ancient times from the Buddha, return to Buddha, return to Dharma, return to Sangha, or I take refuge, I receive refuge in the Buddha, the Dharma and the Sangha. The teacher, what's, what, what, what she's saying and the community that are listening and and understand that and returning to the wall, returning to the wall, back to the teaching, back to the teacher, back to the, the three jewels, and then back to the wall. You notice that the wall isn't even mentioned there. It doesn't say Buddha, Dharma, Sangha, and wall, because all of those are the wall. If you don't understand, questions from Sangha. Junchu bowing. Yes. Uh, question from Shane in Virginia. 
must speech transit the ego before it comes out? Bowing. I didn't get the first part of that. Could you read it again, please? Must speech transit the ego before it comes out? Transit, is that the word? Uh, what is it you wanna know? I'm tracking what you're saying, but you're deliberately going into a, uh, with a bunch of sled dogs and there's no snow. Just a metaphor for your confusion. And you're not the only one, everyone's confused. I'm confused or I couldn't do this. If I'd gotten rid of any confusion, I couldn't do this. I would be kind of better than everybody and I'd be some kind of a teaching guy with a credential. So does speech, talking, transit? Does it go through the ego? Do you mean that? Do you mean it does it catch a buzz? Clarify your question. It's not a bad question, and I'm making fun of you a little bit, but you can handle it. If you can't, why be here? Thank you, Bowing. Uh, question from Inara, who's watching with Joseph and Tanya. Hello, Inara. Nice to hear from you. He asks, what is the difference between observing and noticing? <clears throat> it's very similar, except that observing is, has more of intentional. I, I am going to sit down and I am going to endeavor to just observe what's happening. Noticing is more casual and uh, you may notice, you may not. And you, you, to tell yourself to notice is uh, eh, it's a little, um, it doesn't have enough uh, intention behind it. Intention meaning I'm going to do this. I'm going to sit down wholesale. I'm going to observe what moves. I'm not, not, not going to just notice it. Now, that being said, to follow up a little bit further on that, you may find yourself in just noticing this and noticing that. You may find yourself doing that, but the instruction to just notice is uh, too weak. It's, it doesn't take, take into, consider, in, into consideration all the causes and conditions from other aspects of your mind, your personality, your world that are clamoring for your attention. <coughs> Further questions about that or anything are welcome. Go down. Um, what's the difference between observing and receiving? It's very similar. Observing is the intention to to receive or to watch what's moving and receiving is just uh, whatever shows up. Don't, don't add to it. Don't subtract from it and don't ignore it. So that, so receiving is you're just going to receive. It takes a while. You have, what you're doing is reconditioning yourself from commenting on every damn thing that shows up. I like it. I don't like it. It's good. It's bad. That shouldn't be happening. This shouldn't be happening. They shouldn't have done this. I shouldn't have said this. Why am I thinking that? Why do I feel this way? Why, 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 why? What, 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 what might work better? Because then the first what will stop you because you're waiting for a response. If you get, if you ask why, you're gonna get the very nature of relative truth is to tell you why. And usually it has to do, most often it has to do with narcissism. Why is this happening? Recognize that voice? More? So if you ask a question why, it leads you to because, but if you ask a question what, there might come the answer, it's this. And so how is that different than a why question if it tends to lock down? Say more. You say why because, why because it's very circular, but without even intending to, we could say, what is this? And then whatever story you have, it ends there. What's the question? If there's an answer that comes up, how can we keep from, can we keep from locking down on that? Or It's not about keeping from anything. It's just about receiving. You're just receiving. This is what the ego is trying to be the person who knows stuff. The ego mind is very sneaky. It comes out of nowhere and scares you with your not knowing. It scares you. I don't know. What, what if they ask me this? That would be like me get up, getting up here and feeling like I wasn't afraid. You don't have to get rid of anything. Just see, if is there anyone who's afraid? 
Is there anyone who doesn't know? Is there anyone who doesn't know? More. How can we receive fear? Don't abandon the fear for why it's happening. Pretty simple, right? Wrong? Right, right, right? As Rusheen would say, or used to say. Rusheen here. Right, right, right? I don't see her. She's really, really tall and kind of looks like a dragon. You see her anywhere? She missed a boat again. What does that say in cartoon? Uh, tut, tut, tut. Oh, tisk, tisk, tisk. So tut is Pali and tisk is Sanskrit. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I can go to the next question. I got that. I'm not sure look from those. Mark up. Bowing. There's a question from Laura. Yes, Laura. Uh, given, given there is no self, who trains the mind? There was uh, Laura and Travers. Which Laura? R. Laura R. Oh, in Traverse City, Rutkowski. So, yeah, the other Laura, I changed her name. So, ask me that question again since I was uh, rattling along here. Um, given there is no self, who trains the mind? Just the teachings. There's no particular trainer. The Buddha trains your mind. You, you finally, after all these years, after all these lifetimes, all these lifetimes, all these lifetimes, these lifetimes you've and see what is true instead of taking what you think is true and running with it with weapons with pots and pans whatever you're doing going somewhere else somewhere else somewhere else there isn't anywhere else there's nothing to do particularly so there's no identity that's training the mind if you wanted to if you needed an identity then you could say your 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 fundamental nature uh, is left in the dark so to speak and uh, it when you stumble in as a living being, you stumble into the teachings of the Buddha, lucky you. Then you begin to train your mind and that which is in the dark uh, starts to train you. Fundamentally, there is no dark or light. That's an extra. But we need it. It's like we need something to sit on. We need a wall. We need something in our relative situation where nothing's happening so that we can watch the way we keep concocting things adding, subtracting, dividing, doing all kinds of math to try to do what? Get control of this crazy mind, crazy world, crazy family, crazy uncle, crazy person, self, our own distress with ourselves. Please, you've got everything you need right now. You may need my first finger and you may not, but you do need the wall. Tisho, go ahead. Bowing. Uh, in response to one of the questions just now, you mentioned you are confused as well. Otherwise, you can't teach. Is there a difference between your confusion and my confusion, for example? Uh, Not a hell of a lot. Not a tummy song. It's just that you you uh when i say you i'm not accusing you of anything but you're not you're not clear about what that is and i i am clear about the confusion but it hasn't gone anywhere there's just no one no identity any longer who is confused and my, i'm not it's not a bragging point it, it actually it, it actually is still there but it's unreal so therefore it you can't the propaganda doesn't work on the self-centeredness that is no longer uh, uh solid reference point. So it's transparent. Further questions about that? Let's go into that. This is why I'm doing questions uh, from Sangha because uh, then we can go deeply into what it is that you want to ask about. Shabami, is that a one-time thing that, you know, it's just a switch going on and off that you're no longer uh, confused about the confusion or is it no there's really no reference point to it so it, it so it's like when i say it's like it is no reference point so there's no person there's no the only way i know i i'm a teacher is there's students 
the students go away, the teacher doesn't go away, but the teacher doesn't show up. There's nothing to show up for. That's why it's so necessary, as it says in the Maha Paranirvana Sutra that Unyo talked about with her student monk talk yesterday. Uh, this, one of the uh, sevenfold Mahayana Puja is asking the teacher to remain, which Ananda, I think he screwed that up, didn't he? Yeah. Yeah, he didn't ask the Buddha to remain, so the Buddha split. Because Mara came along and says, anybody disagreeing with me? Apparently Ananda wasn't, so he uh, passed into whoever Buddha's passed into. Don. Don Bowie. Uh, when I'm setting an intention to observe, um, how is ego involved in that intention? So ego is not separate from it. So there's there, there's some kind of, uh, it's just that uh, the ego mind is, uh, it looks like there might be something in it for it. So it's willing to go along because it's aligned itself with the intellect that's been studying the Four Noble Truths, the Eightfold Path, the Twelve Links, and all of that, which are the which are the provisional teachings that include ego. Otherwise, otherwise the Buddha would have just taught uh, Paramartha Satya, ultimate truth. And he, I think he did that to probably a few people, but most people have to see Samvri Satya or Kunza is a Tibetan for that. Relative truth, you have to, you have to work with relative truth because that's where, what people are locked down into me and that stuff. Right and wrong, up and down, back and forth. So the Buddha taught out of that. But if the Buddha taught out of what he saw, he wouldn't say much. That's why he was sometimes called the silent sage of the Sakyas, Sakyamuni. Sakya meaning his family. He didn't say much. And of course, he said a hell of a lot, but it's all relative stuff. When he was asked something about something ultimate, he didn't say anything. Is there a creator? No response. More? Um, um, I want to ask a why question, so I'm trying to rephrase it. You can ask a why question, um, just be aware that you're doing it. That's yeah. all. Why is there so much um, sutras and information that's being generated from something? What's the intention of all that? <clears throat> just, to, just to make sure there's a strong physical, uh, uh, it just has to do with the, the, the three kayas, uh, Nirmanakaya, Sambhogakaya, Dharmakaya, it's a structure. So the Dharma, absolute truth is just, is, is always the case. But we don't see it. So we need some kind of solid thing to relate to. So there's sutras and there's teachings and there's teachers and people come in with lots of carefully arranged scrambled <laughs> eggs, which is uh, just another metaphor for intellect, still eggs, and, and, and come in and tell you what uh, the Sandhya Mochana Sutra means. It tells you what the Lotus Sutra means. And so we, we need some of that. You need some kind of a vehicle, some kind of a structure, Hinayana, Mahayana, Vajrayana, Hinayana, uh, or, uh, yeah, you know, good. Further questions? So go on. Does, um, does confusion show up as both? N? Yeah, so go ahead. <laughs> I, I got my ends in it. You weren't going to correct me. Did you think it was a trap? <laughs> oh. <laughs> it was a trap for me because I don't know what I'm doing. Go, go ahead, please. <laughs> Does confusion show up both as um, not knowing and misunderstanding? Um, can I, I want to clarify please. for you. I need it. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> Make it as clear as possible. Uh, same question, but I think I was... Um, just rephrase it. Okay. For you, does confusion show up as both not knowing and misunderstanding? Yeah, it does. And for us, for everyone? It does, but you, you grasp some part of it. When I say you, I'm not accusing you of anything, but we, we, we just, it's very difficult to not have a reference point. As long as there's some kind of self-centeredness that is assuming uh, using this body mind construct and your your story about yourself and your life and how you've been treated and how somebody's treating you and the emotions you're having that are coming and going that keep reifying, reestablishing it 
uh, some kind of person who's threatened or some kind of person who's getting ahead or some kind of person who just doesn't know. There's no personhood in this condos form, feeling, perception, concept, consciousness is the, is the provisional breakdown of uh, this is the way we begin to understand the ultimate nature of reality is by starting out with the relative nature of it, which is basically just a pack of lies from the ultimate point of view, but from the relative point of view, they're relatively true. This is relatively true. It relatively it is, day, it is daylight out right now. So the other part of that is eventually it will be nighttime. That's the simple form of it. But you could also say good and evil, right and wrong, confused and clear. It's just an endless stream of polarities called <clears throat> relative truth. More. I realize it didn't answer your question, but you got more than an answer. Another question came up when you were talking about the skandhas. Yes. Is uh, one of those skandhas easier to see through than the others? I think it's uh, depend on your particular path or what's happening with you. So the one that's pretty convincing is form, and that's the body. And then the other, the other uh, four are all consciousness, form and feeling, consciousness, perception, other stuff, that's of this, that, this, and that. Concept, thinking process, and the six sense fields and their objects is the way I talk about it. There are other ways of talking about it. So all those get together. It's not that we want to stop those, <clears throat> but they, as functions, they, in, the, in this relative situation we're in, they function as uh, getting together and then bringing together some kind of a belief in somebody who's going somewhere because there's a body, speech, mind, com whole complex that is thought of as being uh, real. It's not that it's not there. It's just relatively. Ultimately, it's not. Further questions? Kevin Bowing. Yes, Kevin. I've been reading the uh, song of the Jewel Mirror Samadhi, and there was a section that I was hoping to get your commentary on, if you'd be willing to. <laughs> Love to. <laughs> uh, filling a silver bowl with snow, hiding a heron in the moonlight, taken is similar, they're not the same. When you mix them, you know where they are. Yes. Now. <clears throat> this is describing the relative truth, uh, something very similar, this and that, silver bowl and snow. And you, they're, they're similar, but, and they, they look, they're similar. They're both the silver and they're both, or silver and white, so there's a similarity there, except uh, one is uh, solid and one is not so solid. And so hiding a heron in the moonlight. So the moonlight uh, is there. And so it's a commentary on relative. You can, you can change them. You can make the moonlight relative and the heron ultimate. You can make the heron ultimate or the heron uh, the other way around. <laughs> I'm not going to confuse myself further here, just for your benefit. So, but those are commentaries on relative and absolute truth on uh, the two truths, uh, comes up and done down, or Samhriti Satya and Paramartha Satya. Relative truth, ultimate truth. And saying they're, they're similar, but they're not the same. And there are other teachings, if you go back and look, and there's just a whole dithrambic commentaries on what this is about, from especially from Tsongkhapa and from uh, uh, another uh, Sakya teacher by the name of Garampa. And they, and they, you know, one says this, one says, and I'm not going to go into it here, but it's like people keep sorting things out and trying to say who's right, who's wrong, the Svatantrikas or the, um, you know what I'm saying. And I would say in, in terms of that, just use, use it, make it personal. Look at your, look at those, use those images. Those are beautiful images. I've given talks on those, I don't know, a few times years ago, I used to use those quite a bit because they're, they're poetic and they're, yet they're, they're specific about Hiding a heron in the moonlight—it's like what a, you know—a very relative taking the uh, ultimate truth and hiding it in relative truth, or taking uh, ultimate truth, a relative truth, and uh, and hiding that relative truth in ultimate truth. Not two, 
that's why it's so damn hard for the so-called ego mind or self-centeredness to track this and come up with some kind of a conclusion. There is no conclusion. That's that's an illusion. The conclusion illusion. Kevin more Bowing. Questions about, more, more questions about that, Kevin, if you have it. Yes. Yeah, so when it says when you mix them, you know where they are. Is yeah. that to do with contrast? What What is that pointing toward? A little bit of the, the mixing it is to seeing that ultimate truth and relative truth are not two separate things. Now, those two people I just mentioned, Songkhapa and Garampa, disagree on that. And I'm not going to go into that. It's just too much of a labyrinth. And it's just like, you know, if you want to do that, it's like, uh, it's like being condemned to eating Cheerios the rest of your life. It's very, <laughs> but no milk. <laughs> no milk, just the Cheerios. Crunch, 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 crunch. <laughs> intellect, 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 thinking, thinking, thinking. If you start doing that, you'll, you'll start writing commentaries on it. When I say, don't write commentaries, face the wall. Just face the wall. See it yourself. Don't explain it. How can we relate directly to what's in front of us when we have all of our dumb ideas in front of that? Just look at it. Just, just look, just seeing that you're, you have kind of dumb ideas about what you're about the wall or about what you're looking at, about the sitting practice of meditation or shikantaza. Just look at them, get rid of nothing. You're not going to be able to save all beings or help all beings. If you suddenly become some kind of a saint above everybody, the person who knows stuff, the Holy one, find out who you are, not separate from the, um, as it says in the Zen tradition from a shit stick, the Buddha, the shit stick, not separate. It's just a intense way of saying the relative truth, ultimate truth, a heron, the moonlight, the silver bowl, the snow, just, it's just an astonishing thing. And it's very simple to realize, but it can take you lifetime after lifetime unless you meet a teacher and listen to her. It's not a joke. The male and female, those are not separate either. It's just that we separate them because somebody wants control. So Karen Bowing. So Karen. When you teach, you say you teach out of what you see. How much do your experiences from your past meditation inform your teaching, bowing? There is no past meditation. So there's no, it means some kind of experiential thing that happened in 1973. Gone. Experiences, how do you know it's an experience? It goes away. Awakening is not an experience. It, it's experiential. There's some kind of contrast, but it's not a credential. It's not a guarantee. No one is, no one is handing you a certificate of congratulations. There's no credential. There, there isn't anything else. There isn't anything else but you, but your voice, but these ears, but this human being, that human being, and these other human beings who are here trying to understand what is fundamentally true. Who are you actually? I can tell you very conceptually, but it's the closest I can get to it. It's not very poetic. You're not separate from anything. Anything that shows up is the Buddha. As it says in the Zen tradition or the poet, I can't remember his name, that every thought you have is a flower. So Karen Bowing, if you're not teaching out of knowledge or experience, what does it mean to teach out of what you see, bowing? Well, the, the fancy word is wisdom. But, but wisdom doesn't, doesn't uh, wisdom is always talking to wisdom. Wisdom always sees wisdom. Wisdom doesn't see anything else. It's, uh, this is talked about in the Prajnaparamita Sutra and all of the Prajnaparamita literature, which is thousands and thousands and thousands of words. There isn't anyone else. <laughs> More if you have it. Thank you for bowing. I'm really stumped, so I don't have any more, but thank you, Bowing. Sit on the stump. 
sit on the stump and find another stump to look at. Literally. You'll be in retreat pretty soon. I'll see if we can locate a stump for you. <laughs> I don't want to kill any trees though. So if there's no stumps out there, you're going to be even more stumped. Further questions? Shadow bowing. How do we function with no reference point if we're trying to relate to a relative hierarchy? Bowing. Well, the relative hierarchy is a is somewhat of a conclusion about something. If you see what it is, then uh, it's situational. Sometimes. Sometimes the king is in charge. Sometimes the slave is in charge. Sometimes they're both in charge. Sometimes they just cooperate without changing names or identity because it is dependently arisen and it is an illusion. This doesn't mean it's, uh, it's unreal. It just means it's relatively unreal, but ultimately it is real. And that's why we can do this. That's why we can do this. I'll say it again. That's why we can do this. Is that three times? Okay, good enough. Further question on that, if you have it. I'm thinking um, just right now I'm, I'm functioning as Eno. There's a Sukansu and a Shuso, you're the abbot. And it seems like um, everything funnels up to the abbot. I'm wondering, does the abbot have to... Who does the abbot communicate to? Sukansu, or in English, the prior of the monastery. Unless, unless the Eno comes along and communicates then, but, but that's, that's, the, that's the structure of it. We have to have some kind of a structure, otherwise it won't function. It's just that it's not a military structure. It is a, respect, a, a, a structure built on respect, not for individuals, but for those forms, so that the crazy, insane, Abbott and the crazy insane Sukansu and the crazy insane Shuso and Eno can function within that form and clarify their true nature. So the, it isn't about controlling something. It's about observing the form in such a way that you know, you know when to tighten it up and when to open it up because you are working with it situationally rather than, rather than setting up a standard. This is what it means to set up a standard. I'm no longer going to look at this with my intelligence anymore because I can't trust my intelligence because what if I'm wrong? What if, what if, this, what if the abbot scolds me? The abbot's probably going to scold you even if you don't make any mistakes. Lucky you. Chisho, go ahead. Chisho, uh, going back to Sokuren's line of question, so what does this interaction mean for you and for us listening to it. How does it look to you? Where's the question coming from? Uh, I mean, there is a motivation to, to ask a question. There is also a presupposition of getting answers from you. Yeah, uh, yeah I'm just confused about that. Uh, you know, what is it that is supposed to transpire in this interaction? Yeah. Well, there are things will keep transpiring until you see the truth. And when that happens, that's the end of the transpiring. And as long as, as long as you think things are coming and things are, go, things are going, as long as you think there's somebody there and somebody here, uh, keep facing a wall, keep returning to the Buddha, the Dharma, and the Sangha. Eventually, there won't be anything else. That doesn't mean that, that, that you are everything you're looking at. It just means that you're either the heron or the moonlight, maybe both. Of course you can't be because they're not the same. So wait a minute. It's, it's a teaching device, not, not a conclusion. It's a teaching device to introduce you, your thinking mind into the incredible uh, simplicity and a thorough uh, elaboration of relative truth so that you can see it yourself. Go ahead if you have another one, Tisho. Yeah, Tisho, I, I can see it intellectually, 
I, I can understand it, so to say, but that doesn't, that is not satisfactory. Uh, at least to me, it feels it does, it's not satisfactory. Okay, I figured it out or I've thought through this. So you just, you just said that second noble truth is not satisfactory. Life is suffering. Life is unsatisfactory. Life is difficult. Being a human being is difficult. So that's the, the first. And how do you deal with that? Or can that come to an end? Yeah, that unsatisfactoriness can come to Actually, it doesn't come to an end. The, the perceiver, the identity uh, that concludes that or has that or has an opinion of that, has a feeling of that, uh, that becomes unreal. Doesn't mean that the, the unsatisfactoriness comes to an end, especially as a bodhisattva, you have more, see more intensely the incredible unsatisfactoriness of everybody, everybody's suffering intensely, even the ones with big smiles on their face who have the power of positive thinking and are wondering, what in the hell you want to sit in front of a wall for and turn into a vegetable? I'd rather play golf. Go ahead and play golf. I wouldn't interrupt that person's uh, path at all without their permission. More? Chisho. Chisho uh, Wang. So it's a, it seems to come back to the ego or identity. If we have to use the identity to get through the identity. Is it? Yeah, Trump Rinpoche said, you have to walk on ego like an old shoe and wear it out. Just don't get it resold or rehealed. Just walk on it. It just eventually it wears out. Just continue to look. That's why I say over and over again. That's why uh, <clears throat> Susan Piper, I think I'm paraphrasing her, said when somebody asked about me as a teacher, she said, yeah, you can go study on it. It'll make you sit all day long every day. <laughs> I'm not making anybody do anything. I'm saying you might want to meditate for a long time. <laughs> and we have forms to help you do that because it seems after, after doing this for many years, it seems like the intense, intense and intentional sitting down, hold still and watching the movement is that's what's, I practice lots of tantric practices. When I say lots, I'm not saying more than anybody, but a, a lot, hundreds and hundreds of hours of that, millions of mantras. And my understanding of it is if you need to do that, then go study under Dalai Lama or a Tibetan Lama or any, anyone else who will teach you that. If you want to do that, that's up to you. I'm not against that. I'm just saying the way it looks here is all you need to do is stop moving and watch the, your particular version of insanity or craziness, passion, aggression, ignorance continue to show up and show up and show up until the wisdom mind that is actually seeing that, that is masquerading as somebody begins to wear out or drop away. Just observe, do a lot of it. However much you're doing right now, add a few hours on per week. You have to see it. I'm just here to encourage you to see what is true, not here to convince you of anything or try to gather followers. If you wanna to listen to me, that's up to you. Kevin Bowling. Kevin. How is Sangha in the wall, bowing. Oh, is Sangha in the wall? Yeah. Earlier you said that Buddha, Dharma, and Sangha are, are in the wall. How are all of those things in the wall? Well, as it could show, I could have to talk about it relatively. It's uh, people are sitting next to you or they're sitting on Zoom. So there's, there's Sangha, you have, you have some... Uh, community, other people, apparent other people are there, the Sangha, and also your own uh, thought forms that show up as you sit down and look at the wall and you, uh, you endeavor to just watch what moves, then whatever shows up is the otherness, and that otherness is actually your community. And so no more, no more fighting, no more agreeing, don't do anything with it. Uh, if you do anything, uh, the attitude needs to be what the two words I use kind of interchangeably or observe or receive, receive whatever's moving, receive whatever's moving. Just observe that. Just, just observe it like a, like a, uh, it's just like uh, uh, you're sitting and a mouse runs in front of you across the room and into a, behind the, the cabinet. Do nothing with it. Just observe, just no comment. It's like that happens. You have no idea what it even is, is because you're not adding to anything anymore. You're just on receive. 
So that is the Sangha. The Buddha and the Dharma and the Sangha, Sangha, that's a breakdown of teacher teaching and community. When, when, uh, when realization uh, is no longer uh, something else, then those three are no longer, they, they just separate in order to teach, but fundamentally they're not separate. The three jewels are, it's like the jewel in the rubbish heap. You look into your own rubbish heap, your own crazy confusion, your own insanity over and over and over again. You have to do a lot of it. You can't do half an hour every other day or have to do a lot. And the feeling that you're not getting anywhere is uh, how it feels to climb a really uh, difficult mountainside in the middle of the dark with lots of rough spaces and scratchy things. Do it anyway or not. Go do something else. Go find something else to do with the rest of your life. But you'll be back. I may come back. I may not. Doesn't matter. Maria Bowing. Yes. Does our understanding uh, or not of your teachings depend on uh, whether it is the wisdom or confusion that receives them? Bowing. Doesn't matter. Those are not separate. Wisdom and confusion are co-emergent. Confusion and wisdom arise together. And as long as they're arising separately, then you're going to try to find another carnival somewhere else, some better place, some better teacher, some better teaching, some something that feels better, works better, seems better. Materialism. Just look at it until you see that it's not two. There's no student, there's no teacher, there's no teaching. Maria Bowing. So what happens when the confusion is completely gone? Bowing. You're a wise guy. Well, the confusion doesn't completely go because it completely completely goes, then you're somebody special who's just wise. And then how are you going to help uh, the people that are looking at you with that confused look? You have to be the confusion you're trying to get rid of so you can be the confusion as, a, as, a, as a, an enlightening being, as a bodhisattva, so that you can help those who are confused. If you're worried about other people's confusion, if you blame anybody for anything, just, I, don't, I don't care if they just hit you over the head with a, with a skillet. Well, that might be a little extra. <laughs> If they've hit you overhead with something didn't hurt very bad, but it was still not nice. You know what I'm saying? It doesn't matter. Don't blame. Even though causes and conditions are obvious for to do that, don't get the credential of being the person who points out the mistakes of others. If you're a student of mine, if you're a student of mine, correct no one. Even if you see, unless it's to save them from running into, uh, running into this busy street, of course, or if playing with, uh, with seashells that they uh, are actually broken glass. I'm not saying that, that's pretty obvious, but don't, don't enter into someone, don't do it, please don't do that. Uh, you be responsible for your emotions, even though someone else came along and scowled at you and triggered them. They're your feelings. Hey! How was that? How did that feel? I think I busted the speaker. <laughs> and was that some kind of a Zen trick? No, that's just an old man yelling. I'm saying, but that's what it feels like to have intense feelings or emotions or tense things happen. You don't have to do anything with that. I don't do anything with it. I have no explanation for why that came out. I don't need one. You might need some explanations. You might need to explain that and think, oh, wait, wait, so, was so, was that a teaching? Thank you. I haven't done that in a long time. When I first started teaching back in the 13th century, no, it was just later than that, I used to yell a lot because I thought people wouldn't pay attention unless I yelled. <laughs> <laughs> so there's a few people here, so I guess I don't have to yell. So that yell is just wanting to, wanting to help you in a way that's fundamentally helpful, not get in your way. I don't have to be your teacher. You can go somewhere else and I'll never see you again. That's up to you. 
you're free. You're free to do whatever you want. This is not a prison. On the other hand, if you want to see what this is before your body-mind complex goes back into the elements, I think I might be able to help you with that. And I won't charge you anything either. And there's nothing in it for me. And there's nothing in it for you. <laughs> but if you see that, you're still going to struggle with relative truth, thinking some things are right and some things are wrong, just because of evidence. All evidence is partial. It's actually worse than that. Did I hurt anyone's ear of drums? <laughs> just doing yours. <laughs> Don. John Bowing. So uh, being in the room when you yeah. yelled, yeah. Um, there was like a physical reaction that kind of just went straight through me. So yeah. what's going on with the body-mind complex when that happens? Yeah, just it's just reaction. Buddha nature, it's just reaction. We don't, but if you do anything with it, then that's extra. It's just that, it's just like uh, lightning, like a lightning strike. It just comes out of nowhere and it's this, and then it's, it's, it's here, it's present, it's intense and it's gone. <laughs> Uh, ancient Tibetan, or not Tibetans, but well, maybe Tibetans, but I know the Zen, in the Zen tradition, it's, it's called uh, Yats. Japanese tradition is too. You, you watch somebody spin and spin and spin, and then you just yell at them, you know, so that they realize they're they're on a merry-go-round, they're on a turntable. And if you, know, you say spinning, you're going around, you know, they, they just continue to reify, justify, validate their spinning. So you might have to yell. This isn't that I saw anybody spinning. No one was spinning. Yes. Shamma. Shamma. <laughs> Shamma. Is there are there any? I yes. did a question. Shamma. Shamma. Where's Joyce? Joyce knows what Shamma means. No, nope, she doesn't. So we're pronouncing it wrong. Uh -oh. <laughs> I have to check my notes. <laughs> check your notes. Go ahead. Uh, so you were saying um, to Maria to look at, uh, keep looking until you see not to. Is seeing not to disappointing? Uh, uh, relatively, in a relative way. The disappointment may come and may not. So it may, because of it, I'm saying it, it just may come, it may not. It's it's so dependently arisen, the source of anything is uh, uh, untraceable. So therefore may sometimes uh, uh, that it's used that way, it's talked about that way. The, the, the ego mind, whatever's, whatever kind of pieces or odds and ends of the self-centeredness are still <coughs> looking for some nourishment. There might be some kind of feeling there that, oh, I think maybe I'm not gonna, Maybe this isn't going to be what I thought it was. Maybe this isn't going to be the wonderful God realm that I thought Nirvana was. Maybe it's just flat and ordinary. Further questions in Zoom? Bowing. Dane has another question. Yes. Can speech be wisdom? Does it go through the ego before it becomes words? So I, I kind of getting what you're asking about, perhaps, but probably not for you. So if, you, if you're looking for some kind of a structure that, on which that you can understand this in a relative way, wisdom is, uh, is, is, uh, is talked about as being something else, but it's not separate from relative truth. So you could say, I would say to try to support what you're asking about, I'd say possibly somewhat. But there's no guarantee of any, there's no certitude about that. The only certitude, if you want to call it certitude at all, is, uh, is, uh, is seeing that this is not separate. That there's no solid self in the skandhas, there's no solid being anywhere, there's, there's no birth, there's no death, Nothing occurs at all. I'm not saying there's a relative occurrence, but that's an illusion. So does it occur? No, it's illusory. So how would you how would you talk about this without saying nothing happens? 
as uh, His Holiness the 16th Kamala Rangjong Rikpidorje said to the Vajra Regent Ursul Tenzinat when he was dying in near Chicago in 1981, said nothing happens. Why would he say that? How's that? How is nothing happens helpful? Well, coming from me, it's probably not so helpful. But coming from uh, a great Bodhisattva, uh, incarnation of Avalokiteshvara, Chenrezig, it would be helpful. They even made bumper stickers back then that said, nothing happens. So somebody decided to do something with it. Go ahead, please. I heard a voice. A question from Semi in Portland. Semi. How do we know if we are strengthening ego or ignoring it? I would say moving past it, but I realize it will always be a clown on the roof. <laughs> Yeah, so you won't know. It'll become less and less important as you, uh, this is why we have vows. This is why being born into this realm of human beings or into the six realms as it's described traditionally, mostly human realm where you wouldn't be able to listen to this. If you're in the God realm, you're, you're too busy being a God. If you're in the jealous God realm, you're too busy uh, with the competition around you trying to get ahead of everybody. And if you're in the, the other three realms, the hell realm, that's obvious. You're fighting and defending an apparent situation so but here uh just just watch what occurs just watch the comings and the goings just observe it takes a while you won't know but you you won't you won't really be concerned that which wants to know is the way the ego is wired it wants to know stuff so we have to start where we're at so if you want to know something study the 12 links in the chain of existence pratitya uh, samutpada study dependent origination why there's no separate thing anywhere there's a great talk by the two uh two of the junior monks at the monastery that they did together uh shoto and and Juzan talked about uh, uh the 12 links yesterday but did a good job on that i learned a lot from that talk actually not a lot i learned something did you guys learn something from a lot of a lot of heads bobbing. Any further questions? Yes, Ondo. Ondo bowing. <clears throat> um, did Ananda really screw up? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Did Ananda screw up in the Mahaparinirvana Sutra when he when he didn't ask the Buddha to remain? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> yeah, I think he was, well, of course, as you probably know, Ananda is one of the few, uh, according to the tradition, according to the teaching, one of the really close students that the Buddha had that, that uh, according to Ananda, never really attained a realization of the ultimate realization. So uh, I don't know, when you, you read, you're studying that, what, how does it look to you? Did he really screw up? Or I don't he... know, but it... He did it three times, so. Three different times he refused to ask the Buddha to remain. Yeah, and the Buddha yeah. tried to prompt him, it seems. Yeah, the Buddha even said, don't you want me to, don't you leave? Or... <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, I think it's a, I think more than anything, it's a teaching that helps us uh, focus on the teacher. The teacher is, if the teacher thinks they're important or is a, some kind of a great person, that's probably not going to work very well. But if the teacher is, if it's a, as it said in the, and the Sanskrit word would be, I think it's Sanskrit, uh, Chisho can correct me, but uh, Satguru, or guru just means teacher, just sounds fancy because in the West we've turned it into perfumes and, and colognes and everything else, but a sat, sat means true, Satguru means a true teacher. If it's a true teacher, someone's teaching right out of, out of what their realization. Uh, my way of saying is, I see it, I see it all the time. I see dependent origination. Is it a bragging point? I don't know, do whatever you want with it. But I, I couldn't talk. If I was talking about out of some kind of relative understanding, then I would be, then I would be, you know, talking out of relative understanding, but not ultimately. So go ahead. Oh, no, um, I'm just trying to understand the difference between um, our responsibility and dependent origination. Ananda seems to be like a victim of dependent origination, or did he yeah. abdicate responsibility? Um, 
You know, I think, I really think that it's, uh, when I say really think, I don't know, I'm not sure about it, but because it's, uh, because the sutras are teachings, uh, they can show up in different ways. And uh, as far as I'm, as far as I'm concerned, I think Ananda was awake. I mean, anybody that's memorized all of the Buddha's teachings, and he memorized them, that's, there was no, uh, uh, I don't, I think they had pens and pencils, but it's been a lot of work. I record everything. Um, so I, I think it's a teaching device to help you see that you, if you want this situation to keep going, you need to relate, you need to, because the teaching person is just teaching you. And so um, helping you. So asking them to remain, of course, they can't remain forever, but I think the Buddha, is it, is it 80 years? It would be 80 or something. Yeah. Was it, anyone know? 80. Yeah, 80. Yeah, I think he taught for 40 years. Yeah, something, something like that. that. So we, we don't know. I missed 2,500 years ago. And we're lucky to even uh, know about the Buddha. So I can't read that question from someone. Uh, Mark Bowing. Um, this is from Pete P. Uh, yeah. Bowing. Uh, what is the goal of Buddhist practice? Is it not to be born again? No, you're not concerned with that. A goal of Buddhist practice is to uh, the Mahayana, uh, not not the Hinayana. It's a different uh, uh, structure, and uh, this is a Mahayana path that we're talking about here. And the goal is to uh, save all beings, to put everything, everyone before yourself. Other everyone else's uh, happiness and sanity and enlightenment is more important than your own. Just another way of working with self-centeredness. But put others before yourself, especially the one you're having a lot of trouble with. Uh, one that a neighbor that is really difficult to get along with, or or uh, one of your or your brother or sister or your or your partner, your mate. Put them first. And that's hard to do. And and how does that show up? Probably failure. Probably can't. I just can't do that. I just it doesn't seem to work. I try to do that, but I can't do that. That's how you learn. It's called an exercise. It's like, simply put, like lifting weights. You're not going to be able to pick up 300 pounds the first day. You might have to start practicing. So it's kind of a spiritual muscle, although although it's, it's not, but it's just a metaphor for it. But put others before yourself. It takes a while because first you have to sit down and put yourself first uh, long enough so that you actually can begin to uh, uh, relate to the, what's happening with others. First, you have to really... Uh, Trungpa Rinpoche said, make friends with yourself. And I say on top of that, if you can't make friends with this, you're going to project, project that distress on others. And it's even more difficult to make friends with them if you're adding to the confusion they bring to, into the room and then your confusion that you laminate on top of it and then, then giving them responsibility for the whole shebang. So it's, if you're, but if you can see others' confusion because you're so clear about your own, then you see that under that confusion, the reason they're being pushing on you or being difficult or challenging to you or just uncooperative, however you want to characterize it, it's because they're suffering. So this, this is, it's not that you feel sorry for them. That's a misunderstanding. Compassion is not feeling sorry for anyone. That's actually materialism. I'm not saying that if you see someone suffering, you don't have resonating feelings with them. That may happen. But don't turn it into a story because then you've just abandoned the very relative ultimate situation that you've encountered and turned it into uh, ego reinforcement. And there are all kinds of practices that will help you put others before yourself. That's why we have these forms. That's why we chant the sutras. If you lived in the monastery, you do nothing but practice all day long every day unless you had a, a job to go to because our society doesn't support this. So we can't do this as in the ancient times as the Buddha did where everybody could, where all the 15 year old kids could go study under the Buddha for several years. Now we, we don't have that. So we need help from others. Those of you, some of you help us a lot, keep us going. We couldn't do this because there's no fees charged particularly, a little bit, but not much. Any, any final question? Uh, Anna Maria Bowing. Go ahead, Anna Maria. 
how, <clears throat> how does seeing someone's confusion and suffering ease their suffering? Uh, a little louder, please, so I can, uh, one more time. How does seeing someone's confusion and suffering ease their suffering? Uh, it, it may not. It may not, but it's, it doesn't add to it. You don't make it worse for them because you, you're actually receiving what you're seeing. And if you, if you see it clearly, if you've seen this person clearly, or at least gotten some clarity on your self-centeredness, been responsible for your own intense narcissism, not just you, but me. If you haven't seen that and been responsible for that, in other words, it's, it's your junk that's going on there. You know, then when you look at someone else, instead of seeing theirs clearly, you'll, you'll get rid of some of your own by blaming them or putting on them. It's just the nature of uh, dependent origination to blame others. It's just the ego style. And so, but if you see what's happening there, then, then if it's if there's something you can actually do that will support them fundamentally, in other words, ease their suffering with, without getting in the way of their spiritual path, they may need to deal with that. So if you go in there and say, oh, it's like when some people, some people think that no one should commit suicide. Well, I say you should mind your own business. And I mean it. And if you don't have, uh, if you don't understand what I'm saying, you can ask questions. I'm not saying we shouldn't have a suicide hotline. Of course we should, but be very tentative about stepping into someone else's dynamic based on your, uh, and I'm going to say it bluntly, stupid projections about the nature of reality. Don't interfere with people's uh, karma without their permission. Anna Maria Bowie. Um, yes. The, the visual that I'm getting is that we serve as sort of shock absorbers. So my question is, good image. How does how does receiving in, in receiving are we also absorbing? Is it necessary or possible likely to absorb some of that suffering too? Well, yes, just uh, in a very mundane kind of a homely way. Yes, people want to be listen to them. That's why I say receive, listen to them, listen to what's happening with someone, ask them, not uh, interrogate them and say, how's it going for you today? And then receive, do not jump in with your, your advice about stuff, receive. And then they might come and say, well, so what do you think? What do you, what do you think I should do? And then you could come back and say, I'm not really sure about that. And they say, well, do you think I should move to Brazil or just stay here in Vermont? Say, I don't know. How's that look to you? Say, well, it looks to me like I should go to Brazil because of all the, the great job that's waiting for me down there. And then you, know, you could have a conversation. So, but, but interacting with the person where they're at, not where you think they're at. You don't have to add on your commentary. Notice how your commentary about your own life has uh, been so successful. <laughs> How's that working for me? Huh? How's that working for me? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It, we all notice that the, the, the very person's having all kinds of trouble with their life. As soon as they come and ask you for something, you're just totally welcome to, uh, can't hardly wait to give them advice, even though your life is not going so well. So just notice if you can receive, not, not as a commentary, just listen to what they're saying and notice how much suffering is behind uh, the smile on someone's face or the, 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 the trying to not go down into that. It's so painful to, to see that without particularly, you don't have to acknowledge it and you can't say, I see your pain, like uh, our, one of our presidents said, or I feel your pain. You don't have to do that. That's more about you, but you can actually notice that this person is the reason they're so full of it. The reason they're so, um, uh, some of the politicians we hear are just so intensely fearful and afraid they covered up by hurting others, manipulating others controlling others. And it's a, uh, that's, that comes to an end. Nothing lasts. Anna Maria Bowing, when, when that suffering, the person that you're in, in interaction with in that moment, when their idea of that suffering being eased is, a, is sort of asking you an onboarding, are we soliciting an onboarding and that doesn't feel right to you. 
how do you work with? So soliciting on board, onboarding? What? Like wanting you to join them in something. Yeah. Okay. Well, you know, so it's very situational, but probably less is better. But whatever you do, do do it without any, without abandoning it, without concluding anything about it. Keep it as open as possible. You can actually, if you're having a conversation with someone, you can bring your own ability or skill or however you want to say it, or your own uh, uh, your own particular dynamic of just receiving. They won't they won't notice that necessarily, but they'll just notice that you're easy to talk to and you're, you're responsive to what they're talking about. Is Sometimes that, that, yes, go ahead, please. Is that what you mean by uh, opening it up, listening? Yes. You know, the, you've heard the, the 9010 uh, standard or rule or whatever I say, you know, if your relationships are, you're having difficulty, you might want to just stop talking so much, listen. And if they're not saying much, you can ask a little bit but they might want, not want to tell you anything. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, we can, uh, we'll close uh, here at the monastery. We'll do the um, dedication of merit. Turn the, turn the video camera over to that area. Nice. penetrate into all places so that we and every sentient being together can realize the Buddha's way. Buddhist Temple Monastery, our Sangha, families, friends, and visitors. Heal everyone who is unhappy, sick, or suffering, and fill them with light. 